and must stand firm whatever comes our way. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor who radically opposed the Nazi regime. Has has anybody heard of this dude before? A few people? Yes, yes. If you have a chance, I recommend all his books as well as uh, um, Corey Tim Boom and anything they're family related. Uh, Both radically opposed the Nazi regime as well as standing up for, for the oppressed in that time, like, like uh, the Jews specifically, but as well as many others. Um, specifically, though, with Diedrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he grew up, born and raised in Germany, and got a firsthand look at Hitler's rise to power after World War I and his oppressive ways to, to others. Uh, he spent some time in the United States to further form into a theologian and study there, after completing a doctorate at a university in Berlin. Uh, he, as the Nazis rose to power, he was an outspoken critic of Hitler and his anti-Semitic policies. To fight back against the Nazi attempt to control German Protestantism, he became part of a group known as the Confessing Church, all about the Jesus way and not conforming to the Hitler way. Um, so, in quotations, it was eventually disbanded, um, forcing their group to meet in hiding, and um, Bonhoeffer would travel to these different villages and tribes um, to meet with these people to train up pastors as well as families and what it looked like uh, to, to follow Jesus and, and to see that they could be small, thriving gospel communities right where they were at despite the German persecution. In his book, Life Together, which is an amazing read, he expands on what that meant, and it's a great read still about like community and what it means to follow Jesus together. He expands on what that meant, and um, for a month, he actually leaves Germany in 1939, trying to, to leave even having a chance to be a part of the German army but was, was radically, like, just got a, a challenge and a conviction from Jesus that his mission was not in America. It was with the people in Germany. And so after just a month being back in the U.S., he left to go back to Germany to teach, or not to teach, to, to uh, lead as many people as he could who were affected by the Nazi powers with the hope of the gospel. And Bonhoeffer who was actually a part of a group to, to, who plotted to assassinate Hitler, to get the evil ruler and just sin and whatever was happening there, spiritually dark stuff. Um, being a part of that group, he was actually arrested in April of 1943. And in jail, in prison, a lot of his famous works Specifically, if, if you've heard of the letters and papers from prison, has anybody heard of that writing? Yeah, yeah, a couple people, yep. Um, he, uh, it was posthumously published, and in there I, f- I found this quote to be really, really good and really challenging. Uh, not that I've actually read the book completely yet, but it's on, on my list one day too. Um, he says, Who stands fast? Only the man whose final standard is not his reason, his principles, his conscience, his freedom, or his virtue, but who is ready to sacrifice all 
when he is called to obedient and responsible action in faith in exclusive allegiance to God. The, the responsible man who tries to make his whole life an answer to the question and call of God. Where are these responsible people? If you're reading that, you're thinking, ouch. Because <laughs> he wrote that specifically because he wasn't seeing it. Where are these responsible people? Last week, uh, Adam was, was teaching through our second week of, of our Children of the Light series, looking through the letters of, that Paul writes to the Thessalonian church. And specifically, we looked at how Paul expresses empathy for the Thessalonians for their endurance through their faith and suffering, um, how they kept, kept the faith strong through the suffering and persecution. And Paul was grateful for this faithfulness, and he, it reminded him of his own persecution he faced when he went before the, the Thessalonian city that we read about in Acts 17 on week one. The afflictions they were enduring proved to be a demonstration, actually, of their commitment to the gospel of Jesus. Paul drew that comparison between their persecution as well as the persecution of the early church, um, as well as Jesus and the Old Testament prophets. And as Adam said, Paul reminds in order to challenge participation in the story of Jesus. And so today, uh, we're going to look at what it means for us to stand firm in our faith, like people like Diedrich Bonhoeffer, like Corey Tim Boom, who, as well as the Thessalonians, who, who we have as examples um, so that we can stand firm and learn what that means to stand firm. And it's funny because uh, Abby talked about standing in truth this past Wednesday, and so uh, we're looking at standing firm today. If you haven't, uh, if you didn't get a chance to be here Wednesday, uh, you should totally listen to it. It was, it was awesome, um, really good. Uh, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dig into to what it means to stand firm. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that we have the opportunity once again to come and learn, to be challenged and convicted. I pray, Jesus, your spirit would speak, that we would come away with, with something that challenges us or awakens something within us, and that we would just become more like you and be willing to stand against the challenges that, that may come our way. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, and we'll bleed into chapter 3 today. It looks like a long passage, but the rest of chapter 2 is only like three verses. Let's see here. There we go. All right. Oh, I'm in Colossians. That would have been funny. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't seem right. Awesome. All right. So, but brothers and sisters, when he's talking about like the, the but there, he's finishing off the section on the church being persecuted and, and all of that. He says like uh, just finishing up in 16 in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The last wrath, the, the wrath of God has come upon them at last. And so digging into 
our, our section today. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person but not in thought, out of our intense longing to be longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. When he sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So today we are looking at standing firm. The follower of Jesus can and must stand firm whatever comes our way. And so we're digging in, um, just taking chunk by chunk and seeing what, what we, can, we can get out of it and what Paul's, Paul's writing here. And so in the first four verses, 17 through 20, Paul makes it known that they didn't want to leave, that him and his, his posse didn't want to leave Thessalonica, and they actually tried to come back. Paul says that actually him and his friends were orphaned from the Thessalonians when they are separated from them. And in this day, in Paul's day, made orphans was actually an expression for the loss of a parent as well as the losing of one's children. Today, like in our modern time, we really don't have a name like widow or orphan for when a parent loses a child. But to Paul and the ancients, it meant the same thing. It was such a big deal to Paul that when they were separated physically, Paul calls it being orphaned. They were separated. They longed to come back, and he made sure to let them know that they wanted to be back with them. And I'm sure, like, for the Thessalonians, the reasoning, like, Paul is, like, writing this is because they were beginning to question, like, does Paul really care? Did he just drop something that sounded cool and then, and then dipped? Um, like, like, what's that about? And Paul lets them know that it was Satan. The enemy blocked their way. And we don't know necessarily how it happened, um, but it could have been, like, sickness was getting in the way, 
the unrest that was in Thessalonica that, that Paul and company caused, um, or even like some kind of deal to have like a bo- the bond for Jason to be released from prison. There's just speculation, but, but nobody truly knows. But what we do know is that they desired to return to the Thessalonian church because Paul wrote, you are our glory and joy. And Paul considered them their crown, which they will glory in the presence of the Lord. And this crown is not like a golden crown. I think we have a picture here. Yeah, Michael Phelps. It was the best victory wreath I could find. And he, he has like the most gold medals. So it seemed fitting. Uh, but this is like what it was back in the day, the victory wreath. If you won like an athletics competition, you would get this kind of, of crown put on your head. Um, but Jesus's version wasn't a crown that was a wreath, but of thorns, right? The suffering servant displayed his victory by being exalted on the cross and grow, going through death to give us life. He won the battle, and the crown of life that we get the chance to wear comes faithfully from following Jesus, even in the face of persecution, like the Thessalonians. And we can do it because Messiah Jesus is in us. He's in us through his Spirit. And in the face of persecution, Jesus gives us that ability to stand firm, just like the early church and just like the Thessalonians, and just like Paul stood firm. So going into the next six verses, Paul sends Timothy to encourage the Thessalonians, as well as seeing, like, what was going on there. Were they still following Jesus? Were they still being faithful? Or did they fall away because of all that was going on there? And so um, when Paul and his companions couldn't bear any longer the agony of not seeing their friends. They send Timothy as tribute, like, go ahead, Timothy, good luck um, to, to be sent and, and see, like, what was going on there to encourage and strengthen their faith community, to help them persevere through the unsettling trials that they were going through. Something caused them to be shaken or to freeze. And have you had that happen to you? where something causes your soul to shatter. Maybe it's, you know, a relationship that went wrong. Maybe it's related to academics. Maybe it's related to, to a way you thought you were going to go in college, but then something happens and now you're forced to go a different way. Maybe it's related to family. Whatever it is, fill in the blank for you. Life is hard, and following Jesus is hard. What we have to come back to is that it's worth it. Often, storms come, and we get through it because of Jesus, because he's our hope and light in the darkness, because we are children of the light. And Timothy was there to encourage this church that was going through it. And we can take encouragement that Jesus has won the day and we can keep going just like the Thessalonians kept going. Each day may feel like a fight, and, and it may feel like we're lived in darkness, but often Jesus shines bright, bright, the brightest in the darkness. In First John, we read these words, 
This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God is light. He has no darkness. If we walk with him, we have fellowship with each other, with Jesus, and we're purified from our sin. How great is that news? The things that we've done, the past that we would like to completely leave behind, Jesus has forgiven that. And that's a promise. And sometimes when we're down and out, we need to be reminded of that promise. That's why the community of Jesus is beautiful, because when a brother or sister is knocked down, we can be there in love to lift them up. And the opposite is true. If we're knocked down and we feel like we can't get back up, someone else can come, come back to us and lift us up. We live in a highly individualistic culture. Can I get an amen? But Jesus doesn't want us to live individualistic. He wants us to depend on people, and he wants us to depend on each other. And so Paul was nervous with his friends that the Satan had actually gotten to them, and they had left their faith. But Timothy brought good news to Paul. I just had this, like, thing happen of, like, just imagining you send Paul, and you're not sure. Maybe, maybe it's, like, three months down the road because it's, like, a lot longer to travel back then because they obviously didn't have cars. Um, but then, like, Timothy coming back and finally just hearing, like, Paul, Paul, it's Timothy. And I bring good news. Instead of the Thessalonian faith weakening under the trials they've been going through, it's actually getting stronger. It's actually growing. And how about that for some good news? Has anyone had that happen where you're expecting the worst or you're expecting terrible news, but the best news you could have had is, is received as the answer? Every year at tax time, that's how it feels. <laughs> um, Bad news does happen. Um, it does happen. But every now and then a good answer comes, and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that, right? Um, but when it comes to faith, and, and I think for staff, this is a true answer. When it comes to talking to alumni and people who've graduated, one of the best things to see and to hear is that people are doing well in their faith and they're growing, that they're flourishing. My desire is for that to be you, too. And so, Nate, a year from now, expect to hear good things happening, as well as Amy and Nikkel. Is there any other? Gracie? Is there any other seniors there? Devin and Kelsey? To hear good things are happening. That would be our staff's prize and joy, is to hear those things happening that your faith is growing. Whatever 
life leads you next. We want to hear that your faith isn't weakening, but that it's strengthening. Next, we see Paul and Silas uh, as well are encouraged by the Thessalonian faith. The Thessalonians were standing firm, and this caused Paul and the community of travelers to be full of joy. Their faith, love, and steadfastness of the Thessalonians caused renewed life for Paul, as he says in verse 8, because for now, we really live. They were stable and constant in their faith, which is what any community of believers should strive for. Paul was unable to come up with the right words for the gratitude and joy felt from this encouraging note that they got from Timothy. God produced their stability and endurance in the face of all the adversity. And that's what standing firm in Christ alone means. It's what happens when we listen and practice the words of Jesus. As Abby talked about on standing on truth this past Wednesday, it means we build our house on the solid rock, which is Jesus, and we will not fall. But the ones who, who don't listen to his words will build their house of faith on shifting sands, and it causes them to fall with a great crash. Their prayers are constant for the Thessalonians, and Paul prays for an opportunity to see them again and prays for their faith to grow where it's lacking. Like the man who lacked full belief that Jesus could heal his boy who suffered from seizures, he said to Jesus, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And what if we prayed like that? Lord, I don't, I don't know about, about this path you've set before me. I don't think I can do it. Help me to overcome that unbelief. Lord, having a conversation with that person that I don't want to talk to or have anything to do with, help me to overcome that unbelief that our relationship could be reconciled and restored. And you'll be surprised at what Jesus will do. For the Thessalonians and Paul, it was keeping their hope and joy in the face of all of the severe persecution. And for us, like, I don't know what your specific situation is, but if you pray for Jesus to help you in your unbelief, he will, and your faith will grow stronger through the storms, through the tests of life, and you will experience his hope. We often experience like growth in our spiritual life the most when we are put to the test and put under trial and put to where we're, we're at the end of our rope and we have to lean on something. And when we lean on God, he shows us the way and he shows up. And to finish today, Paul prays for the Thessalonians' capacity to, to love to increase Paul, as he continues to say, desperately wants to visit the Thessalonians, so he prays for Jesus to make a way. What do you want so badly that is a godly desire? Pray for it. Paul did, and you can too. He also prays for the love of the Thessalonians to grow, for it to overflow for each other and towards others like the churches in Macedonia. 
This mutual love among the church was the counterpoint to the hostility and social ostracism that the church had been experiencing through, through the Roman Empire. And as a CSF community, like, we love each other. And we also love and encourage other ministries and harvest workers on our campus as well as other campuses. Because it can really be light in the darkness of, of what's going on. Opportunities come for us or other ministries and our love for each other as well as for the university. And when those opportunities come, we love like Jesus would. I think one of the, the coolest things is that we can encourage other people, whether their things are going well or whether things have just been a terrible season, that we can be for our other brothers and sisters who, who are with us for the same mission under the same God and that crown of victory will come when we are faithful and surrender our lives fully to Jesus, come what may. And Paul ends, to pr- he prays for their hearts to strengthen, to be blameless or pure, to be holy, different or, or other word, worldly, it's like what it means, in the presence of God. So this quote from, from Gene Green's commentary kind of sums up these, these verses. The prayer is that this moral purity will be theirs in the last judgment. In the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord comes, their God and Father is also their judge. And the prayer is that they may be found blameless before him. In this last time, the Lord Jesus will come with all his holy ones. And the New Testament speaks of the angels or the saints who will accompany the Lord in his coming. And so my desire is to be there with the holy ones. Just as Paul's desire is for the Thessalonians to do so as well, when Jesus returns to finish what was started and usher him in as he is exalted and inaugurated as King of kings and Lord of lords. And so back to Bonhoeffer. While in prison, evidence implicating him in the plot to overthrow the government came to light, and he was court-martialed and sentenced to death. While in prison, he acted as a counselor as well as a pastor to many prisoners of all denominations. There, it didn't matter if you were a Presbyterian, non-denominational, Catholic, whatever. You were just following God. He stood firm in his faith when it would be easy to turn away from Christ. He received a beautiful blessing because of it, a rich legacy that continues to this day and classic, like a classic writing known as the cost of discipleship will rock your world. In February 1945, he was taken to the, I think you say Buchenwald concentration camp as well as the Flossenburg concentration camp, where he was hanged on April 9, 1945, just days before the American liberation of the prisoner of war camp. In the last words of this courageously faithful man, Bonhoeffer said, this is the end for me, the beginning of life. The end of his life on this earth was happening, 
but his new life embracing the crown of victory from a life of radical devotion to the gospel of Christ and the kingdom of heaven was beginning. And that can be true for you too. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that we have this letter from Paul to the Thessalonians to, to learn from, to learn what it means to stand firm. Especially in a time that is, is confusing, that is, is life-altering, that is, is jarring to, to many with, with college, college experience. I pray, Jesus, for, for the men and women here to stand firm. When they want to back down, that they'll be reminded of your faithfulness and your hope that continues to spread regardless of the situation. That we are children of your light. That we are your children. So God, I pray that we live in that. That we live in that faithfulness to you and that we know that the crown of life is coming. And so thank you, Jesus, that you've won the battle for us. And I pray, Jesus, today we would experience that, that healing and that restoration so much so that it literally doesn't matter what happens to us. We just want you. We want to follow you, and we want to trust you and be fully devoted to you and put our allegiance to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.